This is an ABC podcast. Hello, thank you for joining me on Sisters Let's Talk. I'm Hilda Wayne. Welcome to the heart of my home, which is my kitchen. I love to cook, and I'm so lucky where I live. I have a vegetable patch with lemons and oranges, and I also grow my own greens, so I can harvest these fresh ingredients and use them in my cooking. As you probably hear, I'm cooking dinner for me and my boys. We're having bully beef and vegetables with creamed rice. It's a favorite in my family. What about you? What's your go-to dish? Every single day across the Pacific, women prepare meals for their families. There's so much choice these days. We have access to all sorts of foods from all over the world. Unfortunately, like this tin of bully beef I am cooking tonight, A lot of the food we have access to is processed and not fresh. And it's not so great for our health. But something exciting is happening across the Pacific. Traditional dishes from fresh, natural ingredients are making a comeback. I'm Hilda Wayne. Sisters, let's talk about women promoting traditional cooking across the Pacific. If you walk down the aisle of your market or go to your corner shop, the shelves are lined with tinned goods. It's fast and easy, isn't it? And cheaper. And sometimes you just don't have access to fresh food, like my bully beef for dinner tonight. I don't always use tinned meat, though. And in fact, more and more, I'm trying to go back to the traditional dishes my mother and my grandmother used to cook. You know, one of my favorites back home is just a good old sweet potato cooked in hot ashes and a hot cup of tea. That to me is just heaven. Talking to my grandfather, chatting with him over fire. And also another of my favorite back home is the mumu. It's normally not eaten every day. It's always for special occasions or something important that comes up. The mumu is done using hot stones and a uh, hole in the ground with banana leaves and all sorts of vegetables, organic vegetables, sweet potato, uh, pork, chicken, whatever. And it's something lots of women are doing across the Pacific, going back to traditional dishes. And it's not just women in their homes. Restaurants are leading the charge. One of them is Paddles in Samoa. It's run by chef Dora Rossi. You might have seen it on the Pacific Food Revolution TV show. The restaurant is what is called farm to table, which means it's all about using the fresh seasonal produce. I asked Dora how important it was using traditional ingredients in our cooking in the Pacific. It is vital. There's never been a better time to eat healthy. And you can do that by obviously eating local healthy food lots of vegetables and lots of fruits and fish and a healthy diet. We love to use local fresh fish. Um, my mum makes the best oka, oka, which is our fresh uh, raw fish and it's marinated in coconut cream. Every every country has their own, every Pacific country has their own name for it. We call yes, it oka. yes. And only mum's allowed to, to make it and she's very proud of that. 
and she gets her fresh pawpaw every day and the local fish from the market. We love going and, and not only buying from the market, but also we love to meet the farmers and the people at the market and hear their story because people here are very proud of their produce. And since COVID has hit, a lot of people have gone back to the, um, to the earth and gone back to farming. And the crisis of COVID, it has been a, a godsend that people have actually realized that farming is the answer to many problems. Absolutely. That's what I've been hearing, like covering COVID stories and talking to people out there. People yeah. actually going back to farming and putting their hand in the ground and, you know, getting back to their roots, basically. So, Absolutely. That's what it's all about. True. And um, where do you get your inspiration from when you create your new dishes? Well, my inspiration comes from... My good friends, um, I was involved and I was asked by my very good friend, Robert Oliver. He asked me to, to join his tribe, I like to call it the Pacific Island Food Revolution tribe. And he's been my inspiration through my business to actually use a farm-to-table approach with my menu as well. So it's very important for me to, to support my community. And Dora, I guess... You know, it, was, it wasn't like this maybe 10, 20 years ago. Now it's different altogether. How do you use social media to promote your healthy traditional cooking? Well, uh, personally, I, I, like to, I like to make little videos of, of what I cook at home and, um, you know, just inspire everyday people to use the ingredients that they find at the market. You don't have to spend a lot of money to eat healthy. We have beautiful produce in our market. But on a, on a bigger scale, um, with Pacific Island Food Revolution, we've done a lot of work and the results are just absolutely amazing. And for who doesn't, uh, who doesn't know, Pacific Island Food Revolution is an innovative program that promotes local healthy food in the Pacific to combat the non-communicable disease crisis through, the, through communications and partnerships. Now, we use the power of reality TV. I am the co-host for Samoa for the Pacific Island Food Revolution. We use also traditional and social media to encourage and inspire people to make better food decisions. The NCD crisis in the Pacific is accounting for 75% of deaths in the region, which mm. is a number which is absolutely outrageous. Yes, yes. So 75% 75 of deaths in the region are due to non-communicable diseases and basically what people are eating every day. You know, 47% of women in the region are obese. And, you know, traditionally large bodies still, you know, and even today still signifies social status and power. And, you know, this conversation is by all means not to shame or make people feel bad about their bodies, but being overweight uh, bears many health problems, which is why it is very important to, to have the conversations around food and our bodies. And Pacific Island Food Revolution has been an eye-opener for myself and for a lot of people. And, you know, we were quoted by the New York Times. They say Pacific Island Food Revolution is a crusade to revitalize indigenous foodways in the guise of a genial cooking competition. So we're not just a cooking competition. We're actually inspiring people to eat healthy and to lead healthy lives. And it's, it's become more of a social movement rather than just a cooking show. Absolutely. Yeah, we've, we've had amazing results. You know, um, we are two and a half years in. And thanks to the support of the Australian and New Zealand government, 5 million people tune in 
over 12 Pacific countries. That's huge. You know, there's a high level of engagement with Pacific Island Food Revolution. So, and this is important, is the food, the food story of the Pacific has not been told internationally before, you see. So when the region reopens to tourism, hopefully soon, people are going to come knowing about our food, and this in turn provides the vital economic link to Pacific farmers. Local cuisine, you see, requires local agriculture. And basically, it's the link between agriculture and tourism is, is vital. To be honest, many people do not know what it feels like to be healthy. You know, through my work on the ground in the restaurant and the cafe, I adopt the farm-to-table concept because menus can literally be the creative glue that joins agriculture and tourism. So it's very important to create sustainable menus, menus which can be a business plan to a nation. You know, we can choose what we order and what we use every day, and we can choose to to support our farmers, to support, to support our community, or we can choose to buy overseas food that is no good for you, been sitting on a boat for a month before it gets to you, you know, eating local healthy food is not only helping the community to be sustainable, but it benefits greatly health and in return, your well-being. So it really is um, a cycle. It's wonderful that Dora Rossi is championing traditional food to tackle diet-related diseases in Samoa. And she does this through sharing her recipes on reality TV and through a farm-to-table restaurant. The program is all about introducing uh, children with uh, indigenous dishes, how we prepare our uh, traditional uh, way of cooking, and also to help children to learn how to eat the type of food. Because nowadays we found out that our students are more interested in fast food. You might think that fast food is convenient, but you've already heard the impact it has on our health. So how do we break the cycle of a bad diet? Margaret Sham is a school principal in Port Vila, and she's doing something very interesting to change the way her students think about food. It's called a slow food program. We invite uh, people in the community. We invite the people from cultural center in Sila. They came and we had a one-week program. We invite the people in the village, especially the old people who can prepare the traditional dishes. And during that one week, we prepare each area and students can walk around and learn from them how we prepare our local food. That's amazing. And why is teaching children to value and understand their local food so important? We think that the students need to value their traditional diet or these traditional dishes because even uh, most of our uh, parents today, their parents, their mothers came from a different uh, island, different cultural background, and when they come and prepare food in the kitchen, they prepare their own way of cooking. So well, it's better, uh, like the health teacher was encouraging us, that it's, it is good that we can encourage our students to know our own traditional way of doing things so that our next generation can learn from it. Otherwise, this generation, they will lose everything about how our ancestors prepare food. What were the children's response and uh, when they see the elders come to school and do they enjoy the program? They want to taste this different type of dishes because some of the dishes, their parents never prepared it at home. Uh, is it also financially beneficial to cook and eat local food? During our one-week program, we didn't even use any money to buy any food. 
So we are telling the students, when you are eating our slow food, cooking your food the traditional way, it costs less. No any expense for you to buy anything, unless you want to buy salt. But otherwise, every food that we prepare, every traditional dishes that we prepare, we take them from the garden. What impact has eating healthier local food had so far on children at your school? Yeah, we can see big change, especially uh, we can see the the behaviors change, especially when before we do our, our program, we can find that the students always move around in the classroom. They don't pay a lot of attention. But when we introduce slow food, we found out that the characters, the behaviors change. They become to settle down and even they love to learn more. And we said, oh, maybe that's the impact of the slow food that we introduced in our school. That's lovely. And what's the best dish that was brought to your school that the students share so far? The best food that people, the students love is the traditional dessert. They call it ice cream. Uh, it's a de- traditional dessert that they use the green coconut juice and the green coconut flesh that they mix together. And after they mix, they leave it for some time to say that it is cooked. But really, they didn't cook it in a fight. They just keep it to stay a little bit more and it will be cooked and they will bring it out and everybody share it with a cell coconut. Uh, the young, the green coconut, the shell, we use it to... Uh, drink the juice like the ice cream, but really it's not ice cream, but they call it a local traditional ice cream. I'm going to have to try to make that ice cream dish Margaret Shem described. That sounds so good. I love that idea of her slow food program. It's so much more than eating healthily. It's also about honoring your culture. This is Sisters Let's Talk with Hilda Wayne. The slow food movement has had a big impact, so much so that it's the inspiration behind a documentary series that showcases Papua New Guinea's traditional foods and culture to other parts of the world. Jennifer Buying Waiko is the series host, and the idea behind the show is to encourage people right at the village and community level to eat locally grown healthy food. Jennifer is speaking with Sisters Let's Talk producer, Amanda Donigi. There was a slow food meeting in Vanuatu um, a few years back. And, you know, basically the really amazing thing about Melanesian culture is that we all have very similar base diets, local diets. We have very similar foods like cassava, taro, yam, um, different types of vegetables, like what we call um, walanguri in Papua New Guinea, but it's got a different name in Vanuatu, a lot of similar foods. But the really amazing thing is that we've got all these really different and creative ways of cooking up these same foods. So Papua New Guineans can learn from Vanuatuans how to um, cook the lapla, which is the really delicious um, island cabbage um, dish. Which, you know, it's made with um, grated banana or grated cassava, and then it's cooked in the hot stones. So it's, it's a really great way for... Papua New Guineans, Melanesians to also learn from each other about what foods they've got and how they can cook them differently to keep their families interested in the meals that they're cooking at home. So it becomes a tool that people can use to learn different ways of cooking with the same types of foods that we have. What did you learn from other Melanesian food practices and what did they say about the things that they learned from Papua New Guinea? From the Papua New Guinean side, they're really, really interested and it's really exciting for a lot of the communities that we've gone out and shown the program to. Like, um, uh, for example, 
we went out to Siasi, the Siasi Islands, and they're very rural and very, very remote island um, called Rook Island. And we showed them a particular episode on Solomon Islands, which, which had cooking with mangroves, with a mangrove seed. So a lot of the islanders out there, you know, obviously they, they have mangroves, but they didn't know that you could actually cook it and eat it. So they really learned something new there that they learned about a new food that they could have access to. And, you know, of course, that increases people's food security because it gives them access to more different types of foods as well that they never knew that they could actually um, utilise. Yeah, that's amazing that that we can actually cook and eat mangroves. And that must have been lost. I'm sure we all knew that, but that must have just been lost through <laughs> taking on all these Western practices. What kind of threats to traditional delicacies in Melanesia should we be aware of? Basically, the fact that we are globally experiencing something called food extinction. You know, if there's if there is a certain woman from a certain community who takes care of, you know, a particular type of banana. Different bananas require different planting methods. So there are some bananas that are similar to taro where, and yams that if you don't look after that taro and if you don't look after that banana and continue to plant it, that basically it will just die out, that it, there's no way it can survive because it needs to be freshly replanted and then it will grow again. So the risk that we have now in Melanesia is that if we are not actively protecting, looking after, actively eating and keeping these foods in our diets and maintaining the foods that our ancestors passed down from generation to generation, then, you know, the buck ends with us. That food and that flavor and that nutrition and those medicinal and nutritional benefits from those foods are just lost to us. So what role do women play in preserving the biodiversity in fresh foods? Women often, they exchange seeds with each other when, a, when say, for instance, if someone from Marka, my culture, an Azura woman, is married to somewhere, you know, maybe CRC or maybe Finchhafen, when she marries into that place, you know, she will go and she will make a garden and she will take seeds from her home and also get seeds from the new place where she's married into. And then when she travels back to her home, she'll take those seeds with her. So quite often a woman becomes like, a, you know, a food bowl, basically. She creates and maintains and spreads and shares those seeds and creates food security in the community as well um, and plays a very essential role in continuing to conserve seeds and replant seeds and share seeds so that these foods are more widely spread and protected and conserved for future generations. What's the best traditional dish that you've ever eaten? Oh, I think I would have to go for Vanuatu. They have like this, I will just never forget this particular dish. It's like a breadfruit. They roast up the breadfruit and then they remove the roasted skin from the outside and then they pound up the breadfruit and then add coconut cream to it until it becomes like this really nice dough. And then they, they roll it out. And then they put a big stone, like they roll it onto like a bowl and then they put this really big hot stone in the middle and then they put this freshly thick creamed coconut on top of that hot stone and that hot stone makes this really nice, big, beautiful, thick cream. And wow, that I have to say that is one of my most favourite dishes and that's from Vanuatu. Do you, do you cook that at home too? No, I don't actually. You know what? I have I am now growing these um, seedless breadfruit trees. So we've got a project here that we, um, you know, encouraging people to plant food trees. And so I've been desperately collecting as many of these particular breadfruits as I can and um, planting, planting them in my own backyard so that I can have access to them because it's very rare to find breadfruit in the markets here. Jennifer Buying-Weichel, co-founder of Save PNG, 
and the host of a documentary series highlighting the wonderful traditional foods from Papua New Guinea. And I love how she describes us women as guardians of the football. You're listening to Sisters Let's Talk on ABC Radio Australia. We know that Vanuatu is vulnerable to disasters, so we take the time to also exchange the knowledge of preparing disaster food and also passing on the, those traditional knowledge to the younger generation. Dorothy Molly is from the Vanuatu Cultural Centre and she's also part of the Vanuatu Slow Food Festival, which happens every two years. The festival brings together people from all the provinces to share their unique cuisine. And wait till you hear about this dish. It's a festival favourite. It's called the disaster dish. The main dishes that are going to be prepared or showcased during the festival are the, the disaster dishes, the ones that are preserved for a long period of time that you could eat later on when there's a disaster and there's no more food. We still have those that are preserved and uh, we can actually like eat them during the time period before there's like new crops uh, growing again or new food. We have food again in the garden. So one of the main dishes that are going to be displayed or showcased during the festival is the disaster food. And each of the provinces are going to display one of their unique dishes during the time. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So you mentioned the disaster food. Hmm. Tell us, is it fish or root vegetable? And how is it? Uh, what What do they do? What method do they use to preserve the disaster food, like you said? I'll just give you one from the southern part of Vanuatu, the Tafea province. They use banana or root crops. They grate the food or the root crops, like the taro or yam especially. They duck a hole and then they put the banana. They put some banana leaves inside and put in the created uh, root crop and pour in uh, salt water into it and keep it. It can last there for more than six months. Wow, that's amazing! Yeah, so so they could they could just change the water every three months or a month or yeah something like that. And then the the pudding is it is kept. For yeah, a long period of time, you could actually eat uh, during uh, dry season, or there's no more food in the garden, or there's a disaster or anything. That food is preserved for um, times like that. I guess, like you know, all Pacific Islands, we mothers, you know, love and we care for yeah. what we prepare and give to our children and our families. Uh, with the Slow Food Festival, how are women participating in? Uh, is there kind of certain sort of pride or how are they sharing the skills when they get together? Here in Van- um, yeah, we know that the Melanesian, we in the Melanesia, we are the mothers. We are proud of our food because mm-hmm. um, we are the we are the ones that we 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 focus on food security in the community, in our family, and now in our society, and we want there to be food all the time. So uh, our mothers in the Torbo province and around Vanuatu, who are also going to showcase at the Torba Festival, they are actually, they are excited. They are excited to showcase their skills and share that knowledge with the younger generation. That's lovely. And um, how is the reaction like from the younger generation? Are they uh, open about it? Do they enjoy learning the new skills from the elder gen- older generation? 
This is the third edition of the Slow Food Festival. There's been uh, two past events that took place, one in Tana called the Tupunis and the other one was in um, Maivo called the Turi Festival. And during those festivals, we have invited uh, students from uh, different colleges here in Port Vila to also attend. And uh, with that, we saw the students and the teachers who attended the festival were very grateful for what they learned. They were happy that they actually attended the festival. And there are a lot of changes going on in our schools here in Port Vila now. We see um, schools trying to involve slow food, our traditional food inside the school so that children or their students, they don't eat too much rice but they they try to teach them more of our traditional food. That's lovely. And Dorothy, you've been involved as a committee in Slow Food Festival, and I guess it's an exciting event that you look forward to. What's your personal favorite uh, dish that you enjoy? Well, for me, it's something we call it here in Vanuatu. We call it Simboro. I don't know what you call it. It's created banana. They roll it up in the island cabbage leaf. Wow. With the coconut milk. That sounds lovely. Anything with coconut milk yeah. is good for me. No, <laughs> <laughs> Dorothy, thank you so much for sharing with us and um, for telling us, you know, amazing stories from one or two and um, how people are going back and appreciating local food and uh, traditions and ways of preparing food. Dorothy Molly from Vanuatu's Slow Food Festival. <laughs> I ask you to tell me your favorite traditional dish from the Pacific Islands. And all I can say is that you really love your local food. Here's a little slice of what you shared. Emily from Fiji loves mud lobsters dipped in coconut milk, otter and taro. Yum. Grace from PNG puts a massive love out with her favorite. Sago with fresh fish. One of my favorites too. Jay West from Samoa loves palusami with corned beef. Caroline from Solomon Islands loves to cook uh, mashed taro with thick coconut cream and fresh cut fish inside bamboo, which is eaten on a charcoal grill. Serve it with lettuce, tomatoes, and a slice of green lime, and a sprinkle with fine chopped spring onions. Delicious. And Margaret sums it up. The secret ingredient is coconut. She says anything and everything is cooked with either coconut cream, coconut milk, or shredded coconut. And you can't beat the taste of any of these dishes when they're made from fresh ingredients from our land and sea. Let's keep our food traditions alive. Well, watching my son enjoying his creamy rice and corned beef and talking about food is making me hungry as well and my tummy is grumbling. So lucky my bully beef is ready. I've got some extra ingredients in my bully beef. I've added fresh tomatoes, carrots and also a bit of fresh mint from my backyard and spinach. I like my spinach green. I'm going to enjoy it because it looks really great. And the next time, if I can find some fresh meat, I might even just give that a go as well. Mm. Thanks, Ma. <laughs> You're listening to Sisters Let's Talk on ABC Radio Australia. Thank you all so much for joining me. 
Uh, in my kitchen, of course. I'm Hilda Wen for Sisters. Let's talk on ABC Radio Australia, our weekly show by Pacific Islands women for Pacific Islands women, where we get together to talk about issues that are important to us. If you've missed an episode of the show, we're also a podcast. In the Pacific, just search for Sisters Let's Talk wherever you get your podcasts. If you're in Australia, you can listen to Sisters Let's Talk on the ABC Listen app. If you've got a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or any feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a message anytime at the ABC Radio Australia Facebook page or email sisters at abc.net.au. That is S-I-S-T-A-S at abc.net.au. Next time on Sisters Let's Talk, women's economic empowerment. If we support women, women inevitably, there's no doubt about it, they will support their community and they will support the network that is supporting them. That's next time on Sisters Let's Talk. Sisters Let's Talk is presented by me, Hilda Wayne. It's produced by Amanda Donaghy. Our supervising producer is Inge Stunzner. Executive producer is Justin Kelly. Our commissioning editor is Ilaria Walker. Sisters Let's Talk is an ABC Radio Australia production. Emta Sol na next time.